Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. And we're back with exciting news. Yes, we are now professional. We have a sponsor for the show, which is awesome for us, but even more awesome for you. Indeed, because who doesn't love a sweet, sweet online shopping discount code? And in this case, it's an online shopping discount code that gets you delicious coffee delivered to your doorstep. From our good friends, Prism Coffee, who are four Canberra lads who I've known for a while. Uh, who've all worked in and around the specialty coffee industry for some time now and now uh, out on their own they've got a roaster they're roasting beans uh, and just generally kicking ass with delicious coffee so john how do the people get this amazing <laughs> discount you speak of go to their website which is prismcoffee.com.au pick from the couple of different blends and some single origins that they've got you can get it ground you can get it in whole beans if you prefer to grind your own they've got all of the options uh, and then you use the code PEAKSPEAK in the discount bit of the shopping cart and uh, you'll get a sneaky 10% off and it'll rock up on your doorstep in some amount of time I don't remember exactly what it is but I think they express post everything so hopefully quickly perfect Amazing. And well, that's it. Without further ado, here's, here's the episode. Yeah. Enjoy. Presented by Thomas Lilly and John Sarah and Baby Cry in the Background, not included. There it is. I'm always concerned I'm going to splash my microphone with whatever's in this can. Looks good. Today it's caffeine. I'm just saying nothing and watching you drink. Watching that's your, a bit weird. Watching your tongue suck up the residue from your <laughs> moustache. Yeah, that's uh, a real skill. How are things in Burley? Must be getting fucking cold there. It's actually been fucking wonderful in Canberra for the last week and a half. Okay. Uh, it's been like peak Canberra went weather in autumn where it's like 19 to 21 degrees, cloudless skies during the day, and it's like somewhere between minus 2 and 3 or 4 or first thing in the morning, which is like cold, but... It's only cold until the sun comes up, and then as long as you're in the sun, it's fucking glorious. Uh, mm. So I've been reveling in that, and then the last three days it's been raining. So it is definitely on its way to cold. We're going to squeeze one more camping trip in next weekend before it gets too fucked. Yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, nice. I'll never just, forget going to a, um, the IPL Worlds in Ireland, and it was uh it was the start of their winter and being in the gym and the gym having heaters everywhere and being like i've never had to deal with this as a thing like i've never had to deal with the bars being too cold to touch in the morning yeah yeah okay. that's a real thing that happens at Burley. <laughs> sure yeah that's a, it's such a weird phenomenon like yeah. the, it's the, fucking unpleasant when you get a really aggressively knurled deadlift bar and it's freezing cold it is horrific <laughs> the well, you get such the opposite here. Like the, when the humidity is really bad, yeah, everything gross. gets covered in water. 
yeah. and everything gets surface rust so everything becomes really hard to move and put on things your hands get covered in rust every time you touch something yeah uh give me freezing cold ice b- bars over humidity yeah. any day of the week absolutely the problems we have in gyms around the place yeah i know it's uh it's a wonderful time to be alive mm. <laughs> indeed so podcasting here we are here we and are. in classic Peak Speak style, we've spent a long time thinking about this topic. Absolutely. And not at, all been, not at all been motivated by the post I put up yesterday on Instagram. Um, what was the post? Uh, so I was sharing a video uh, of one of my online clients, Lynn, uh, who she's benching a triple at, I think it was 87 and a half. And it was like a proper RPE 10. Like the third rep was one of the most impressive grinds I've ever seen Lynn pull off. Uh, and like the, a, a textbook 10 RPE, like it was that last rep was, there was no major technical failure. It didn't break down at all. It was just real fucking hard. I think the bar stopped twice. Um, I'm and she it still, now. Yeah, she still <laughs> managed to finish it. It was a really, just a very well executed set of three. Uh, and I was talking about the ideas of like learning how to grind and understanding what a true RPA 10 feels like. And one of the things I said in that post was that any experienced lifter can pro- and if you ask any experienced lifter can probably give you one or two occasions where they hit like a true rpe 10 mm-hmm. uh the story i always use is the uh i've got a squat video where it took me eight or eight and a half seconds to get from the bottom back to the top uh it was like a it was supposed to be a double that day and i remember unracking it thinking man my belt feels really loose and then I like threw myself at the bottom of my squat. This is squatting raw. And um, yeah, then had the most terrific grind of my life. I was never going to miss it. It was just really fucking hard. Yeah. And I racked it up to one rep and then discovered I'd accidentally lost three kilos over the weekend, um, <laughs> which explained why my belt was tight and why my squat felt like shit. Uh, but yeah, that's the, the video I pop up when I talk about that idea of grinding we've got uh, mm. a lifter here erica who is an absolute monster when it comes to grinding deadlifts i've watched her do a 10 second deadlift uh like just one rep that took 10 seconds to get from the floor to lockout. uh and yeah i i think it's an interesting area that a lot of new people don't understand the feeling of or mm-hmm. or haven't had enough exposure to in order for it to be accurate and i thought we could kind of talk about that yeah, I love it because because I use the same language. I often talk about the fact that that, that grinding is a skill, um, and it's interesting when you put it like that because if you think of every other skill that we talk about and, and uh, seek to develop, we uh, can actively create opportunities to do that. Whereas grinding as a skill to develop is kind of I hesitate to say the word opportunity, but it it doesn't come up very often and we don't really want to create opportunities to grind very often because that probably means that we're training a little bit too hard or pushing a little bit too far. Yeah. Um, And it's it's like when like the classic example I like to use from a training context is like talking about AMRAPs, Um, doing doing a an AMRAP uh, from the perspective or using AMRAPs in training from the perspective of um, gaining strength, gaining muscle is a bad idea. I mean, you, you know, you're going to fatigue yourself to the point where it becomes counterintuitive. Um, however, there's inherent value in doing things like AMRAPs when it comes to enjoying training, you know, uh, creating healthy competition, but also that skill of grinding. Because when you do an AMRAP, as the weights get 
you know, relatively heavier and heavier as your fatigue goes up, you get the opportunity to work with the load that you can handle, but you can really just, you know, get everything out of the system as you can. And so like that, that skill aspect of grinding is an interesting one because we don't get many opportunities to actually practice it, but it is a vital skill that we can use to our advantage in something like powerlifting. Yeah. And I think in my experience, a lot of relatively new or novice lifters in their first few exposures to an opportunity to like actually grind out a rep almost inevitably quit uh, because it gets to this point where it feels so hard, you feel like you're going to fail. And Mm -hmm. like you said, it is very hard to replicate that feeling in training. I've found uh, that using exercise variations and a combination of different exercise variations and tempo work to be somewhat effective Mm. uh, because it can give you a feeling that's not the same as the grinding feeling you get from a true max effort like 1RM lift or, you know, 3RM lift, but can give you that feeling of having to fight really hard for position, having to fight to finish a rep, but knowing that you're going to be able to. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it can can be kind of intimidating to be in that scenario if you're a relatively new or novice lifter because it feels really dangerous. You know, you're you're getting this feedback from your body that's like, hey, what the fuck? This is crazy. We need to just like stop and see what's going to happen here and uh being able to recognize that when it appears for the first time is yeah it's a hard lesson to learn Mm, yeah i do so in in uh in zero programming we use tempo a lot and when i say tempo i don't mean tempo eccentric i mean tempo eccentric and concentric and and, you know assuming that's what you meant when you were talking about tempo as well yeah yeah Um, like definitely tempo concentric work when you're doing heaps of it it's it is it's like grinding every single set and it's it's mentally tough because the weight is easy your first inclination in that scenario is to just push it fast because you can't um in the in, like you say in a max weight scenario it's a little bit different because you don't have that option you're literally trying as hard as you can <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah there's there's something to be said for just that grit and i tend to find that people who don't come from explosive sport backgrounds are way better at this people who have come from either more endurance sports backgrounds or sporting backgrounds that require <clears throat> a little bit more tenacity than something like powerlifting Mm. I, there is you know of course there is an element of tenacity in powerlifting but yeah not a lot though uh, it's pretty the, easy <laughs> yeah the, the general training is always feeling pretty good yeah like we, we don't you know training is hard we do push in training but you know our general training modality doesn't see us pushing fairly very often and so if you've started in a sport that's similar to that that um tendency to grind tends to be something that you have to learn a little bit more than people who've who've done endurance sports or team sports that require a little bit more grit they tend to just be able to pull and pull and pull and pull and and, or you know lift and lift and lift and lift until they literally can't anymore yeah Um, and i i hazard a guess that uh like i played rugby while i sort of started to learn to lift and um there's a lot playing in the front row in rugby union where scrums actually matter unlike that other bullshit sport um and I'm happy to take an argument into Instagram DMs for this if people would like, because uh, you'll lose. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I spent a lot of time like pushing hard against objects that are immovable. Uh, you know, in a scrum position, either it's like a scrum machine that we used in training, which is just like you know a fucking heavy ass hand braked sled, uh, or in like genuine 
gameplay where you're pushing into something having to fight hard to hold position but not necessarily advancing anywhere and that feeling of like continuing to push until that breaking point where there is a moment that it um that it turns over that i suspect probably played a role in being able to know what that feeling feels like um but again i think it's it's not an easy thing to teach like i never consciously thought about that it's only reminiscing now like literally as you were talking about it that i went oh, i wonder if that played a role in that ability but um i think a lot of people really fuck this up badly in the deadlift mm-hmm. uh and i think it's the one that is probably most obvious when you've when you've ruined this because it it's really easy to see when it falls apart and there's mm-hmm. There's sort of two schools of people. There's the people who uh, go to pull on something, fold themselves in half, and it comes off the floor at a million miles an hour. Or there's people who it looks like it's not actually going anywhere, and then you just go and get a quick drink, and you come back, and they've just left the floor, and then Mm. they finish their deadlift. And in both of those cases, there's that feeling of grinding that you need to get through but i think in the the earlier option where you're folding yourself in half to get it off the floor you're almost delaying that grinding in a way that probably makes it harder for you to deal with down the track Hmm. because instead of having to grind a little bit to come off the floor and then be in a good position for the rest of it in a deadlift you're skipping that early on and then having to suffer through it in that top portion of the lift yeah, 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 for sure. I, I definitely would notice that trend in deadlifts way more as well. Um, I think uh, another big thing when it comes to grinding, uh, sometimes it can serve as a disadvantage. And I'm speaking uh, primarily in like comp scenarios, you know, when... Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't need you to grind out a 10-second squat in comp. I'd really prefer you didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, you know, when someone's grinding and they stop for a second, the bar goes down and keeps going up and you see the technical failure, you're like, just fail, just fail, just fail because you don't yeah, want yeah. them to spend another 10 seconds wasting all their energy grinding this thing out. Um, I, I always find it funny and interesting uh, when, when people do a lift and they come out with a comment that makes them sound like they had any control of what they were doing. Like, you know, <laughs> they'll, they'll they'll do a big lift at a comp and they'll be like, uh, yeah, I just cut that one high. I'm like, you didn't cut that one high. You weren't thinking of how low you were going. It's a max weight. You, your body just did whatever it needed to do for you. Or people that, you know, are pulling up and they drop the bar and they're like, oh, I could have grinded that one out. It's like, you couldn't have, which is why you dropped it. That that yeah. wasn't a choice that you made on the way up. That was yeah. a choice that your body made for you. Like everything's moving far too fast for you to think about that thing. But when you are grinding a weight and you're there for a while, sometimes there is that conscious of like, ah, I don't really need to do this. You know, I've, I've, <laughs> I've already failed the lift because I had a bar dip. I should just drop it. You know, it, 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 it happens. And um, it is a disadvantage in comp when you have failed the lift because of a technicality already uh, and you know about it you may as well just drop the bar if you don't yeah, well, don't, don't, don't drop yeah, the bar say, don't, don't drop the <laughs> bar bench. you should immediately cease applying effort in the <laughs> scenario uh, yeah that's I've watched plenty of lifters especially in the squat and the bench uh, just absolutely more so I guess in the squat but absolutely ruin themselves for any prospect of a deadlift or consequently a total PR because they've just ground through a squat that was either like it was right on the limit of what they were capable of doing and they got it uh, or it was they fucked it up technically and finished it. I think that's where 
recognizing that building a total comes into play when it comes to attempt selection. Like mm-hmm. maybe in that scenario that you know two and a half kilo PR in the squat wasn't worth it because it costs you then uh, you know weight on the deadlift. Um, but obviously you don't really know that until you try in a lot of cases, and um, it's maybe not the best option. So from a practical standpoint, you know if we're talking about grinding being a skill how do you how do you hone in this skill i think you can learn what it feels like with machine stuff in isolation because you can actually first you've got to understand what true mechanical failure feels like i think you've got to get to a point where you've pushed hard enough in an environment that's safe enough to allow you to get to true mechanical failure so that's something like you know, machine pressing, machine pulling, something like that. I just got a fancy new cable stack, so I'm going to fuck my shit up with that. Uh, did a fully sick bro bodybuilding session on Monday. It was great. Yes. Um, I did nothing but cables. It was so good. Anyway, that's a sidetrack. Uh, yeah, I think you've first got to know what true mechanical failure feels like. You're like, you have got to concentric failure where you can no longer contract and therefore you can't finish the movement. That's still not something I want you to do every training session or potentially every week, but it's certainly something that is very useful to feel Mm. so that you know what that feeling feels like. Then I think you've got to be really technically proficient um, and that comes through tempo work, which I guess in in this frame actually works quite well because you've got to be able to fight hard to hold that position, but that is prerequisite prerequisited by a prerequisite of that is that you are technically proficient enough to be able to go really slowly and maintain that position mm-hmm. um so i think it's it's the sort of thing that if you are developing your technical skill and your programming in a relatively logical way you'll kind of pick up some of that ability to grind whether you recognize that or not mm-hmm in a more established lifter, it's it's uh, it's tempo work. It's like really ball-bustingly slow tempo work <laughs> that makes you question every decision you've ever made because mm. you've got five seconds on the way up in a squat to to question every decision you've ever made. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's really the sort of ballpark I go with most of the time. Do you yeah. have anything different? No, no, no. I like it. Like you know. I mentioned AMRAPs before, but I, I wouldn't truly pro- program AMRAPs. Like, uh, I wouldn't have a, a problem with someone doing it on, like, like you say, a, a low risk sort of exercise. You know, an isolation exercise towards the end of a session, especially with doing like a drop set or a double drop set or something like that, uh, to like you say, really push to to that like point of mechanical failure. Um, it's fun. I, I don't think it's particularly unhealthy unless you're doing it on every exercise, every set, every workout. Mm um but yeah other than that tempo work would be my go-to as well um but yeah i just i wanted to raise the question because it's like again there are so few opportunities to truly experience a grind uh, as it is specific to lifting really heavy yeah um and it's not necessarily uh it's it's kind of like a secondary skill right it's a, it's an important skill but it's not going to be the the thing that makes you the best lifter yeah, it's like all, you're not doing a training cycle where it's like the focus of this cycle is learning how to grind. Yeah, yeah. It's so much of a plan B. It's just a safety yeah. net that's there. Um, I, I like... I think a, it's... Sorry, I think it's just valuable to recognize if you truly suck at grinding. Yeah. Like if every time you fail, you just fail straight away without putting in effort. 
then you, you should really be looking for that practical application. Well, that's where um, weightlifting is very different to powerlifting. Like you look at watching Lasher recently fucking snatch 225 and clean and jerk 270 is fucking horrible. Like it's the most miserable feeling in the world because you're like, well, I'm like the most pathetic human who's ever walked <laughs> the face of the planet. Uh, but you watch him do those lifts and they are they look effortless. But with weightlifting, the high precision requirement of the sport means that it pretty at, at that level it often either looks effortless or they miss it yeah and there's no in between yeah um but i think from an exercise standpoint i like uh I th- or i think you can get some value out of things like pin squat pin press mm-hmm. and uh like a constant tension deadlift mm-hmm done for like a handful of reps but done in a way where especially with the pin squat and pin bench like if you don't control your position well on the way down you hit the pins in a shitty position and you go to apply force and you just can't like there'll just be nowhere to go and so I think from that standpoint it's really useful as a a learning tool Hmm. but then that feeling of having to fight out of that dead stop bottom position is useful and I, I think with a constant tension deadlift it's not quite the same because you don't get the dead stop momentum release in a in a pin squat or a pin bench but deadlift is that anyway instead what you get is that uh holding tension fighting hard to control the position coming into and out or like onto and off the floor that can be again like valuable in replicating that that's certainly one of the reasons i use those three exercises is to to give you that feeling of having to fight really hard for 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 position without having it crush you with a ton of weight Mm-hmm. Um, so there's probably some value in that as well, at least from my point of view. Do you use much tempo outside of the main lift? Uh, sometimes if I just feel like being a bit of a prick with some of the isolation stuff, it's fun. To, I, like it's, you know, it's an interesting variant that means you can have something else to think about when you're doing that sort of stuff. Um, for the most part, I, I keep it to main lift or barbell variations. Uh-huh. I'm a particularly big fan of a like a three zero three zero heels elevated safety bar squat because mm-hmm. <laughs> that will really magnify that feeling of like i'm gonna fold in half fall forward in a way that's really just genuinely horrible yeah yeah uh i don't i don't think i use it as much for bench um and deadlifts it's more in that constant tension environment than it is in anything else yeah yeah i got I got a pendulum squat here recently and I really want a pendulum squat, but I've I'm got, not sure I have the floor space for it. I've got um I've got some patella tendinopathy going on. And so like uh, I don't have a leg leg extension at the moment because I accidentally shipped one of the parts to Mackay. So uh, I've got all the parts besides one part for a leg extension and it doesn't work without that part. So there we go. Um, but but I was doing like tempo tempo uh, pendulum squats with a hold in the middle is the most fucking miserable thing ever they so, look miserable. so bad they're, they're yeah they're they're so humbling yeah uh, they, ne- they and that's i've watched people use them i'm like oh my god i want to kill myself with that yeah. <laughs> like and i'll regret it like i'll buy it and i'll use it and then i won't touch it for three weeks because i'll have harmed my soul mm-hmm. in a way that yeah yeah and you, uh, there's something about a belt squat you can't quite get that yeah. With you definitely can still get some of that grind, but I think the um, the having the back support to push into and, and sort of solidify yourself is probably what makes it even more miserable. 
Yeah, I, I think belt squats are probably one of my least favorite accessories to watch people do because I think it's one of the most butchered exercises. Oh, dude. Yeah. So often do I watch people belt squat. I'm like, cool, you're belt squatting like you're, you would be squatting if you were wearing three layers of equipment underneath <laughs> you and you're a raw lifter. Fucking yeah. bend your knees, dipshits. Yeah. And arching your back as hard as you can into the belt is not going to help, especially all you belt squatters that are like, yeah, I'm doing back belt squat three, have my bad back. It's like, no, you're just encouraging yeah. yourself to be really shit at controlling your brace and your pelvis. Yeah, I am um, one of my lifters who's uh, going to open nationals, Lex, uh, who's got an open nationals invite at 64, which I'm fucking excited about. Yeah, cool. uh, and there's a good chance he'll be on the podium for. Uh, he's really struggled for a long time with feeling a belt, like actually getting his belt squat to look like his regular squat. Mm. And it, like it's taken us months of like practicing it in a way that we've finally got it to a point where it looks like he's actually doing a squat. And I'm like, oh my God, you've like, you've actually learned how to squat. This is amazing. Otherwise you're just doing this belt squat that just looks like you shouldn't be doing a belt squat. And yeah. there's so many people encouraging people to do that in a way that seems incredibly counterintuitive to me. Yeah. Yeah. Very strange exercise, strange implement for, for that reason. Yeah, well, I, like um, when I program a belt squat, I want it to look like your squat just without a bar on your back. That's the way I I think about it because I'm training the squatting pattern, the squatting muscles without putting a bar on your spine. Yeah. Um, anything else is secondary to that. I, but, think, yeah. I think tempo leg extensions are a great way to learn how to grind. Tempo leg extensions really fuck you up. Or any, any exercise that you do where you pre-fatigue something. Um, so like yeah. dur during covid lockdown uh, i think we did an episode on it we probably spoke about the idea of like pre-fatiguing a muscle before you go into body weight stuff yeah um, um during that time or maybe even a little bit before that time uh, i went through a habit of doing leg extensions after doing just a contraction at the top so holding the the weight that i was using for the set and holding it there f at lockout for like 45 seconds and then doing a set of 15 or something like that afterwards yep. <laughs> that teaches you how to grind it's so fucked yeah it's uh and that's why i think that feeling of like either pre-fatiguing something or actually going to like a true mechanical failure whether it's either through a drop set or just through a lot of reps um can be a really really useful starting point and something that's like as a practical piece of information for people to take away from an episode like this just go and find a leg extension machine or a leg press or something like that and mm. In, in a position that is intelligent to your training, like don't fucking do it before you squat. Um, yeah, it, have a bit of fun with it and be ready to pay for it because it'll hurt. Like you, there's a reason you don't do it regularly. Um, but I think that's a really useful starting point. Mm. That's It can be really safe, really accessible for most people and um, can be, yeah. Something that I'm sure we'll get a lot of Instagram tags about how miserable people are having done one set of true mechanical failure leg extensions. <laughs> I don't have a lot to, else to say on grinding. I'm Me neither, man. Other than, you know, you should hustle and grind, etc. Absolutely. And, you know, be just a general badass. Be a monster, be a beast. Do what beasts cetera. do. Yeah. Lions, not sheep, etc. All right. Love it. See you as...